You're listening to Because We're Dangerous, a Dark Matter podcast. I'm your host, Annie. And I'm Chris. And I'm Stephanie. We're talking about episode two of Dark Matter, appropriately called episode two. Well, we will talk about anything and everything from that episode, but there will not be any spoilers for future episodes. So first, let's give our quick reviews, and then we'll talk about notable elements and stuff that made us happy. And then we'll conclude by discussing any questions we have after watching this week's episode. So let's get started with our quick reviews. I liked it for the most part. I thought it was a good follow-up to all the stuff that they'd set up in the first episode. I agree. I think it was a good follow-up to the premiere, and we got to better know crew members that were less prominently featured in the premiere. Like, we got more of the Android in 4 and 6. But I still kind of wish that they had found a way to maybe smush the two episodes into one episode. They both felt a a little fluffy to me. Uh, I really liked it. I enjoyed it. And I like seeing how each of the crew had their own different reactions to uh, the files that the android recovered. And although it had a really different feeling from the first episode because they spent more time on the planet, uh, as opposed to just being a ship-based show, that was different. And I kind of liked seeing where that went. Well, you mentioned seeing the different reactions. That was really interesting to me, too. I felt like there were four of them who had a very noticeable reaction to it. I feel like six and five kind of were on the fence. I guess five was like, where's my file? So she was in a different position. But I thought it was really interesting seeing the differences between one, two, three, and four. That just sounds weird to say, but there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's how we count now. One, two, three, four, five, six, Android. (laughs) (laughs) Have you replaced the number seven with Android whenever you're, you're just speaking casually? Uh, I don't know, but I think uh, Alex Malari Jr. or Anthony Lemke tweeted that. You know, that's where I stole it from. Okay. Okay. We need yeah. to make some sort of drinking game with this thing. Because do y'all, do, y'all, <laughs> do y'all know BuzzFizz or is it FizzBuzz? Uh-uh. Okay. No. Okay. So the the way that you play the drinking game is that you, you each take turns counting, except you replace numbers that are multiples of three with, I think it's Fizz, and then you replace numbers with multiples of five with Buzz. If you have one that is a multiple, both three and five, like 15, you say fizz buzz. And if you don't remember to replace the right number, you have to take a drink. That's way too much math for me in a drinking game. <laughs> is that the point? Yes, ex- probably. exactly. It's so that you drink the a lot. That's the end goal. The more you drink, the more you mess up, probably. Exactly. So I feel like we need to make a drinking game where we replace seven with Android. We'll have to figure out something else to make it also nice. harder. But that might be hard enough. <laughs> Multiples of seven, well, it's no, that's not that. Once you, anyway. But once you get up into the higher numbers, like once you get past 77, or I guess, uh, eight, or 80, see, I'm... <laughs> Four, 84, 84, come on. <laughs> Annie doesn't know that. Annie cannot add. It would get, it would get difficult. <laughs> Stephanie has already lost. I know. <laughs> but we got back to the actual show. So we got, we got to see how they reacted. So like we have two who tells the android, you know, don't call, call me Portia. I loved that moment. Like, the, no files oh, going to tell too. me who I am. Yeah. yeah. I was like, you go, boss lady. Oh, I love you. You were so awesome. And then how, how the android reacts. reacts. Okay, do. <laughs> but I really like the discussion between Five and the android, where Five was saying, why am I not there? And the android kind of trying to relate to her and sitting down on the floor, kind of copying her pose and... We see that kind of element of the android and 
five, I think there's a budding friendship or something there. But I think five not being on there could be potentially quite scary because I think she knows stuff and she doesn't even know why she knows it. So again, the kind of creepy factor I found really interesting. Yep. And I liked how that scene pointed out the fact that the android is really in the same position as the rest of the crew due to the fact that mm -hmm. two reprogrammed her. I hadn't really thought about it that way in the first episode. I, I appreciate that they had a scene like that for me, dummies like me, who didn't get it. <laughs> I, I didn't get it either because Joseph Malazzi tweeted, oh, the android's in the same bucket as the rest of them. And I went, oh, I never thought of it. I just thought, oh, memory wipe. Doesn't that always happen with droids or androids or whatever on shows? But it's such a crucial point to this plot. It was probably done intentionally like every everybody else. And I like that they had five pointed out since five seems to be the one with technical know-how and also weird knowledge. <laughs> but in regards to other reactions, it seemed like one was very upset by it and seems to be in a bit of denial. I could see that given what they've shown us of one. Yeah. Right. I felt like the difference between two and one was it two seemed less in denial about it. They both didn't really feel like those had bearing on who they were now, but two seemed to be more like, apparently that's who I am, but that's not who, I don't have those memories, so those that's not going to define who I am now. Right. Start off with a fresh slate, or clean slate. And it may just be his calm demeanor, but four comments on it and says it doesn't matter, and he doesn't seem all that affected by it, but it could just be, again, he's a very stoic guy. Yeah, that's the impression I get too, like, because he did, like, immediately turn and walk away after saying that, so... It could be a matter of, you know, actually being deeply affected by it, but not wanting to express that. Yeah, he's he's processing, and it could be really kind of scary that he's just like, whatever, you know, but you don't know what's going on under the surface with four, I don't think. He doesn't show much. What did y'all think of how three reacted? I'm thinking specifically of, of the conversation between him and six in the shuttle, where he's asking how everybody would be ranked from super badass to cause for concern. I thought that was typical of what three we've seen of three. He's, he kind of seemed not to care so much or almost think it was kind of cool. Like, oh, that's where my badassness comes from. Well, I should be on the top because that's just who <laughs> <Sorry>. I am. <laughs> You're not sorry. <laughs> oh, I, of course me. I'm like, what? But, but yeah, that's a line directly from the comic. Though the, the super badass. Yeah, yeah. Well, because there's that whole scene with them, too, where he's sort of talking about uh, humor is my, my defense mechanism. <laughs> Which is really true, but I think he's saying it, but he's not really, uh, if he is scared or unnerved, he's certainly not going to admit it to anybody. Hence the defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. So what were some things that stood out to you in this episode, Chris? Um, four is terrifying. Yes. <laughs> yes. I... I saw that Joseph Malazzi was just on Twitter, and I asked him, I said, did Four really torture that guard? Because he, he talks about the guard was like, well, torture's not going to work on me. I know that for a fact. And Four's like, well, yes. And then it's this slow beat. And then he says, but it's still so much more fun or effective or something like that. He says, I find it very cathartic. So creepy. Cathartic. So creepy. Yeah, and then the door closes, and then he comes out later with the information and you're like, what the hell just happened? And even though we see the guard later and he seems to be unharmed, you don't you don't know. So that's why I just asked Joseph Malazzi, I said, did Four really torture him? Because that was a really disconcerting scene. And Joseph replied, he said, no, he didn't. I mean, I, I kind of, maybe it's because 
I, I like Alex Miller Jr. so much with his tweets. He seems like a really nice guy. And it kind of, some of that kind of transferred onto four. But I was like, I was really rooting for four. And now I'm like kind of terrified of him. I don't know. He's got, he's got a lot of stuff under that very tight-lipped, smooth exterior. I was also struck by one in this episode because they presented him for sure in the first episode as the very moral guy. And here he- Moral can- and kind of philosophical. Yes. Yeah, very noble. Well, I don't know that I'd say noble. He's 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 very moralistic. And I can understand where he was coming from when he was arguing for helping the miners. And, and like, I, I got all that. I did. But I kind of felt when he was talking, I'm just like, dude, you are being so naive. I, I could mm-hmm. much e- more easily see where six and two were coming from the situation rather than one. Yeah, me too. I was going to add, I mean, it, it, he came across as guy who just wants to do the right thing in the first episode but as the second episode progressed on I just find him sliding more and more into denial slash nativity as you said I'm like I was getting a little annoyed going can't you see what's going on you're you're really going to risk your life I mean that's how you want to end it but not everybody's going to agree with you and not everybody is going to want to go down this path that you've brought down to this planet because they want to find their memories and find out what's going on. On the other hand, I do think that Six seems fairly noble in this episode. Mm-hmm. I really liked getting to see more of him in this episode. I I, you, I think we got a, a, ten, a sense of him last episode for sure, but he had a lot more stuff going on. And, and I really like him. He's, he has some interesting layers to him. Mm-hmm. Including that he apparently knows first aid. Yes. He can fly a plane and stitch people up. Mm-hmm. Nice. Always <laughs> handy. Yes. Always handy to have those skills in space. Yes. <laughs> well, I have to say, maybe that was the most noble thing, was he was still willing He was willing to sacrifice himself mm-hmm. to get everybody out of there and come up with a plan. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's, That's what, what I'm, I'm saying. saying. Yep. Yeah, which is kind of because I, I have to say from reading the comic, the first episode pretty much followed the comic almost line for line for a lot of the lines. The second episode changed a bit, changed a bit from the comic and that whole plan of sixes was not in the comic. So I was kind of surprised when I saw the script quote unquote change from the, from the comic. So that was really cool to see. Interesting. Yeah. Speaking of sixes plan, the thing that really stood out to me in how the situation was with the miners was resolved is the fact that seeing the bigger picture seem to be the most important skill in solving this problem. Because first we have we have one and to a certain extent four he helps out with this plan of okay, we can we can get the miners together, try to defend ourselves, but the six is like, no, they have so many more men and so many more bullets than we do. There's no way we're gonna be successful. Instead we need to go after their ship in the sky and I can do that. But then mm-hmm. we had two who saw an even bigger picture. And really, and managed to resolve the situation without having to fire a weapon. You know, she pitted these two corporations against each other to save the miners. Yeah. So basically, what we're saying is that two is smarter than everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that she latched onto that right away once she heard, was it the first corporation? The. Oh, uh, Ferris. The Ferris Corp. And they're talking to her, and she was so quick on her feet. She was like, well, mm-hmm. you know, there's been some issues. And, and you could tell she had to be formulating that plan at that point once she went over and talked to 
creepy guy with the tail from Orphan Black. <laughs> David Richmond Peck is that actor's name. Thank you. Uh, God, he creeps me out. So, He's been in basically everything that's ever filmed in Toronto. I know, one of, I'm one of the sure. 25 ca- can- Canadian actors. I'm like, where's your tail? But so, <laughs> expecting Helena to go running around the rooms of the Raza waving a tail. Sorry. But once you saw two talking to him, and, you know, she doesn't know anything. They don't know anything about the world they've suddenly woken up in or how this whole multinational corporation thing works. But, you know, she had to have been formulating a plan once the Ferris commander said to her, well, we've got multiple people fighting over this planet. Very, very smart of her. Yeah, that's a, that's the instance of the bad guy talking too much and, yes. and giving the good guy an idea. <laughs> I just love to. I, I'm not even afraid to say it. Two is my favorite. I just love to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not to say that my favorite can't change at some point, but right now it's just far and away, two is my favorite character. I think she's fantastic. Well, because you like people with plans. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate a good plan. I like I like two. I like five, and even though she's got the creepy mysteriousness and the android because she's blue and the android. She's not because blue. She's blue? <laughs> Suit is blue, which Zoe Palmer revealed this weekend at a con that, yes, she does have to take up the whole thing to pee. So she (laughs) jokes that she wrote wrote it in her contract that all the other actors must do the same. (laughs) So speaking of the android and moving into stuff that made us happy, I love the android attempting small talk because that's (laughs) me attempting small talk, quite honestly. Do do either of you have any offspring? (laughs) Zoe said that was a fun scene to shoot. And, I, and I'm dying laughing because, again, I was a, kind of expecting the script to follow the comic. A lot of that's not in the comic. So just seeing those little bits and beats written in were just brilliant. It did sound from the the media call that I think they, they did sort of tweak a little bit of, of the Android in casting, it sounded like. Mm-hmm. Jamaican accents and all. What's something that made you happy, Chris? Well, we already mentioned it, but to just being smarter than everybody else and saving everybody with her brain (laughs) and that i appreciate that layer of her because oftentimes when they because clearly she could fight she's a skilled fighter but that's not her go-to defense all the time she can use it when she needs to but she's also clearly very smart and methodical and can plan out stuff that's what i was just about to say is that she's not just a woman with two guns on her hips and is always going to pull the guns and go for them first and I really like about that about how they're building the character. And I like how it's self-aware sci-fi when she's walking away from one and stop looking at my ass. Mm-hmm. I'm like, thank you. Thank you, show, for doing that. Especially since they had that in the previous episode and they're like, oh, typical shot, you know, everybody oogling a woman's ass. Yeah. And yeah. So I love that. Love that. I also loved the scene between one and two where one challenges her and basically asks her, you know, who made you boss? Oh, I know. She's like, because I stepped up? Yep. Because I stepped up and y'all have followed my lead. Three naming his guns, which is so John Crichton from Farscape. So I I thought that was a bit of a nod because John Crichton in Farscape names his gun Winona. So three has his big gun. Bubba. (laughs) Bubba, which... Runs out of charge, apparently, and I'm like, you can't have an extra charge pack or something, but Bubba seems to take a lot of, uh, t- uh, that's the backdrop, Bubba. It takes a lot of time to load. Bubba so. is basically like an iPhone 4. It's not going <laughs> to hold like a charge. 
My iPhone 4 is fine, but anyway. <laughs> Chris is defending her iPhone 4. What? I'm just saying. It's okay. My iPhone 5, the charge is slowly getting depleted because it's a conspiracy by Apple. What were th- what were the other guns' names? Lulu and Pip. But no name for the knife because he's not a psycho. I don't name my knife. <laughs> yeah, it's for psychos. The gun naming also, though, is is something that he has in common with Jane from Firefly. That's what I thought. Yeah, when he said what his names of the guns were, I was I thought to myself, what he didn't name one of them Vera because that was the name of one of Jane's guns was Vera. But weren't you just complaining, Stephanie, about why do they always name? Guns after girls? I wasn't complaining. I was just commenting. Yeah, but Bubba is not a girl's name. That's what I was going to say. It's like, Mm. Bubba. Yeah. And Pip is gender neutral, but usually a male name. Yeah. Well, that's good. Guy names for guns. Let's make that our new slogan. (laughs) Well, they're very phallic. I'm just just saying they're very phallic. (laughs) Especially Bubba. Good God. biggest phallic gun i've ever seen it's seriously one of the biggest guns i've ever seen on any sci-fi show yep dark matter productions like you want big we'll show you big and phallic <laughs> got a little carried away moving on, moving on. <laughs> i i also liked the the filming style during the big action sequence they had where they were going up against the ferris corporation soldier guys and like the camera's just moving constantly and following people around and that's very tj scott Yes, I know. Yeah. But I liked it. I like that they did that. It's always edited well, too. It made it very exciting. Although I have a question. Why do you think... So apparently the whole thing starts with four, that he just whips out his sword during that first initial confrontation with the Ferris soldiers. Why do you think he does that? Because he was going for his gun. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I didn't quite catch that. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. The, the Ferris Corp guy was pretending to say, oh, yeah, I'll go ask my boss about it. But he was about to turn around and fire on them. So it was a callback to Force telling three, like, I could slice your head off before you even drew your weapon. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I just didn't. I was watching this at one of the mornings, so I might have missed it. I also appreciated that they made the decision that the information that they got that they don't remember, that it doesn't have to affect who they are or who they will be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, regardless of how, in the different ways, each character took the information that the android uh, dug up on them, they all just decided to kind of, well, we're going to go from this point on. Yep. I appreciate it. Questions. What questions did we have at the end of this episode? Why on earth did five end up in four's quarters? Because that was where the Jeffreys tube emptied out. But why doesn't she stay in the tube? If she's supposed to hide, isn't it much better to stay in the vent system than to get it going? I did have that question, yeah. And then just to kind of hang out on Four's bed. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm all, couldn't the guys bust in there anytime she's working on the puzzle box? But I'm just saying, like, was it coincidence that she ended up there? Was she drawn there for some reason? I have questions. Could be both. Like, like Four was, I think it really showed... Just with the music and the cinematography, how four was really drawn to the box in the first episode. Right. It could be something similar. With, and that was really neat how it turned out that she solved the box. I knew that was going to happen. Yeah, but I'm like, I really hope four is not pissed off because he's scary. <laughs> you know? I'm wondering, though, since she was able to open the box, does she, or formally, did she know what the significance of the ring inside? Mm-hmm. 
was it actually her box? I don't think that's what they're suggesting since four was drawn to it so strongly, but maybe she was involved in some way. But then and there's I, a symbol on that ring, and what does it mean? Exactly. Is yeah. it is it just something that's meaningful to him personally? Is it a clue to the larger puzzle of who put the virus in the whatever ship? Yeah, yeah. To wipe their memories. Who wiped their memories? Was it someone on the ship? I have a lot of questions. I think you're supposed to. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Is that ring like a symbol on the ring? A symbol of a corporation who wiped their memories, or? somebody's personal effect of the person who wiped their memories. I don't know. Right now I'm leaning towards someone who's off the ship wiped their memories. That's just me. I think so too, but I am remembering back in the premiere, and I mentioned I meant to mention this last week, but I forgot. The fact that we don't actually see three wake up. We see everybody else wake up, mm. come out of the little pods. But we don't it's see true. him wake up. He just comes and he confronts one and two in the control room. And he handily already has weapons. Yeah. The only one who had weapons. Mm -hmm. Who was in the pod with the weapons. Yeah. And he's not exactly sunny. And then later on in the episode, he says to one, if you woke up for how do we know that you actually were, are telling the truth? If Since you woke up before the rest of us, how do we know you're telling the truth? I'm probably being overly suspicious, but I, I just, I, rem I realize that on rewatch, the fact that we don't actually see him wake up. So you think he's casting suspicion on one to throw suspicion off of himself? Potentially. Okay. But I think it might be easy, almost too easy to think that three would be responsible just from a writing standpoint, because, you know, he's really aggressive. He's really you know, not so chummy with everybody. So maybe he'd be easier to suspect, but then maybe the writers want to cast suspect in that direction, but it could be somebody else. So I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think Joe did mention, Joe Malazzi did mention that there are lots of things planted in the early episodes that pay off uh, further in the season. So, so pay attention to everything. Yeah. I love it when a season is built like that. That's very smart writing. But speaking of the memory wipe, I was curious why Two thought that the memory wipe was accidental when she was talking to Five, mm -hmm. who then told her, no, 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 somebody did it on purpose. I I was never under the impression that it was accidental. Were y'all? No. No, but we know that we're watching a TV show. Well, I, I'm sorry. I, I phrased that badly. I guess <laughs> I never got the impression that the crew had concluded it was accidental. Yeah. I mean, it's such a malicious kind of thing and so suspicious why would you think oh something just kind of yeah it, it just doesn't look good on the surface so i don't know but maybe two has some hopefulness or a tad of naiveness in her where she just wanted to believe that for a second well and i mean i don't know how the stasis stuff works like maybe there's a thing where because they woke up from stasis and the ship was losing power, like maybe she had just kind of assumed that it was some sort of weird flaw in the system or mm -hmm. something where they yeah. were having like temporary amnesia or something because of that. I don't know. Yeah, but she's also the one who points out that the hard drive of the ship was erased, even though they're supposed to be backups upon backups to make sure that doesn't happen. True. So... Anyway. Or it could just be a matter of, of, you know, needing to believe it. Yeah. 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 Even if only temporarily, you know? Yeah. It's a lot to deal with, is what I'm saying. 
Oh, so this is actually something I kind of meant to bring up last week. The name of the ship is the Raza. Do you think that that name is derived from Tabula Raza? What does that mean? Blank slate. Oh, what what language is that? Like Latin. Oh, okay. The spelling of the ship name is is different. It's R A Z A. So I think it's also important to look at the fact that it could be a dual reference. I like the idea of it being a reference to Tabula Rasa. I think that's a distinct possibility. Rasa or Rafa, if you're Spanish, is also a word in in Spanish that means it translates more literally as the race, but it can also it's used more generally to mean like the people or the community. Hmm. So I'm wondering if it might be a reference to to potentially both ideas. Because I have literally heard Joe Malazzi use the words tabula rasa. So <laughs> is why I start is like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. I think that's a distinct possibility. I'm just saying. <laughs> Here's another question. Why is three so desperate to get through that huge scary door? That was really interesting to see that shot at the end that I was not expecting because you just think, oh, he's a braggart, he's a badass, and yet he's he's got a story too with wanting to get through this door, and that's what he's drawn to. I don't know. Maybe that is is part of Stephanie's question about you know maybe three is suspicious and has some sort of other agenda going on if he knows what's behind that door. Because really, why would he try so hard to get through that door if you have no clue what's behind there? He's also, mm. though, the one who's shown the most interest in what do we have around that's valuable. That is true. He could just be looking for goods. Guns, food, money. He's he's our mercenary guy. So it could yeah. just be he thinks there's something useful and or valuable behind the door. And even though he doesn't know what Five said when she said secrets... Secrets are pretty valuable, too. But I think he's just, he's like the type of guy, well, well, the door's not going to open? Well, I'll show you, And as we saw in the first episode. And now he's just really determined to open it, because he, he keeps not being able to get through. So now he's but just going to keep already, working on it. But has he already been through the rest of the ship? I think he's the one who's explored it the most, I think. We see him walking around a lot. He was definitely the one who seemed to look around the most in the first episode, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess the only other thing I have, which is a question, but it's one that feels like it has an obvious answer. So this course of action, betraying the corporation that hired them as mercenaries, apparently. The fact that they betrayed them this episode, that's going to come back and bite them in the ass, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. If nothing else, <laughs> it's they're, they have incentive to make their lives very difficult. Well, and you don't know if the... Uh, I don't know if they made really an alliance with the other company, the Mike company. Um, you know, they could be on the outs with a bunch of companies and just have to go off and take off on their own. It's like, you know, it's like a lot of sci-fi shows with Farscape. They have to, they're they're on the run and they're criminals and they have to escape into what they call the uncharted territories. So will the Raza have to just kind of, you know, I know they say they're going to find a spaceport and resupply and refuel, but... We don't know if they're going to be forced into living a life on the run because they have so many charges against them and they don't know who's after them. You know, as Six was saying to Two, you've got all this stuff stacked against you and you're okay with it? (laughs) Or Six was saying to Three. It'll be curious to see how they navigate 
the rest of the series because I I'm I'm curious to see what next week's going to look like because mm-hmm. obviously this is a very unique situation that we're exploring in the premiere. But what what are they going to do week to week? Yeah, and and I think it's interesting because there was source material with the comic, but now there we're kind of at the end of that source material. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how the next eleven episodes play out and what they wrote. We would love to hear your thoughts about this episode. What questions do you have lingering that we haven't mentioned? You can email us at darkmatter at askgenretv.com. You can send us a voice message by calling our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. Or you can record a voice memo using your smartphone and email it to us. Find us on Twitter at darkmatterpod and find us on Tumblr, darkmatterpod.tumblr.com. And we name our guns, by which we mean microphones, because we're dangerous. Thanks for listening. Great. Now everybody's going to think we're phallically obsessed.